Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. It's an almost Christmas bonjour. (laughs) We've got snow in Vermont. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful, and I am grateful that I get to join with you now with Christmas just a few days away, and I realize you may be listening to this years from now on a sunny summer afternoon. (laughs) But our topic this week comes from Section 2 of Chapter 31, uh, entitled Walking with Christ. So let's begin with a prayer and some gratitude. We are grateful to place our hand on our heart and allow ourselves to open to this blessing. We are grateful and thankful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and to recognize that our true nature, our true identity, our very essence and being is perfect love now and forever. We are truly grateful and truly thankful to open ourselves to the insight and the healing that we desire. We're allowing ourselves to experience it. We're letting go of the blocks to love. We are grateful to accept the truth in our mind and to give thanks for it, to treasure it, to know that it is our liberator. We are grateful to come together for this holy purpose of being the two or more gathered in the name and the nature of the Christ. We share the benefits of our healing and our expansion with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. So Walking with Christ, Chapter 31, Section 2. And it begins with an ancient lesson is not overcome by opposing of the new and old. So we're calling forth the new heaven and the new earth, a renewal. And so in order to undo our attraction and attachment to the ego thought system, it's not about opposing the old. It's not about opposing it. And Jesus says here, it is not vanquished, so the old, the ego thought system, is not vanquished that truth be known, nor fought against to lose to truth's appeal. There is no battle that must be prepared, no time to be expended, and no plans that need to be laid for bringing in the new. There is an ancient battle being waged against the truth, but truth does not respond. And I, I remember my teacher, Venerable Dahaniawahu, saying one time somebody asked her, you know, how do you get irritating people who are intent on irritating and frustrating and badgering and things like that? How do you get them to shift and change and uh, stop badgering you, rather. How do you get them to stop badgering you? And she said, well, I think of um, the two, these are not her exact words, but she, she, at that time, she had a full-grown wolf living with her, and she had a bulldog puppy. And she said, well, I see the puppy is badgering Wolfie to play with him. But Wolfie's not interested in playing. He's interested in just resting by the fire. And so the puppy tries. Wolfie doesn't respond. The puppy tries. Wolfie doesn't respond. The puppy tries. Wolfie doesn't respond. The puppy stops trying. So there is an ancient battle being waged against the truth, but the truth does not respond. Who could be hurt in such a war unless he hurts himself? So think about this. In order to walk with Christ, we have to get out of the idea that 
fighting will bring the results that we'd like. I I had uh, a number of conversations about this during the 2020 political campaign because some of the people running for office I wanted to say contestants and then my mind said no that's not quite right <laughs> candidates some of the candidates were talking about fighting all the time we're going to fight this we're going to have a good fight and I, I do not wish to be fighting that I have learned is not helpful the ends is in the means so I'm interested in standing for truth standing for peace and that works for me. Jesus says, who could be hurt in such a war unless he hurts himself, you see? So if we're fighting to be right, if we're fighting to be heard, if we're fighting to be seen, to be recognized, to be known, well, who could we hurt but ourselves? He says, he has no enemy in truth. We have no enemies in truth. We don't ever need to fear the truth. So this is why one of my favorite prayers is let the truth be revealed and may love prevail. Let the truth be revealed and love prevail. That to me covers everything. The truth is my friend. And Jesus says, he ha- uh, who could be hurt in such a war unless he hurts himself? He has no enemy in truth. We have no enemy in truth. And can he be assailed by dreams? So if this is an illusion, can we be assailed by it? In reality, no. Let us review again what seems to stand between you and the truth of what you are. For there are steps in its relinquishment. Okay, let's find out what these steps are. The first is a decision that you make, but afterward the truth is given you. You would establish truth, and by your wish you set two choices to be made each time you think you must decide on anything. So the first is a decision that we make. So the decision to accept the atonement for ourselves, that's the decision that we make in the beginning. And then afterwards, the truth is given to us. So we don't have to search for it or look for it. It's going to be handed to us. If we're willing, if our mind is available to it, it will be revealed in our awareness. That's where we look for it. We don't have to look for it in other people. We don't have to look for it in Course of Miracles teachers. We don't even have to look for it in the book. We don't have to look for it. It will be given us. Now, here, he's saying you would establish truth. So this is one of the things, right? We hear people say all the time, my truth is. My truth is. And that's the thing, is people would like to establish their own versions of the truth. And that's where trouble begins. You would establish truth... And by your wish, you set two two choices to be made each time you think you must decide on anything. So uh, to me, this is so critical to walking the talk. What he's talking about here in walking with Christ is, and this is the practice that I've learned. This is the practice that I'm teaching. It has been Absolutely, completely life reorienting, changing, healing, transformative, just everything good (laughs) is coming from it. So I've learned not to make my own decisions, but just to decide for truth. That might seem like I'm uh, speaking in opposites, but I decide for truth, but I don't have to decide Go this way or go that way. It will be shown to be. It will be made clear. So we train our minds to see with divine eyes, divine vision, 
as Jesus talks about. So then what happens, it's like this. You might feel like you're in the darkness. You might feel like you're on your own and you don't know where you are and what's going on and you don't know what to do. It might feel like that. But if you're absolutely willing to stand in the light of love and be guided, you will see, yes, there are three or four choices here. But one is more sparkly. One has more energy for you. One is playing the soundtrack that you would like to listen to. One is drawing you in. And the others become dull and gray. And so I can see that this happened for me. I'll give you an example. So back in the 90s, I, uh, at the uh, late 80s, I uh, co-wrote a play with my brother called All God's Dangers, based on a book that had won the National Book Award, an amazing, powerful uh, autobiography, really, of uh, a man who had been uh, first-generation black American born into freedom. His father had been a slave and who was freed, and he was the first generation out of slavery. And it was it's the play is about his life. And so I worked on that for a number of years, and I really discovered how much I love, love, love writing. So then I went to Maine. I lived in my family's house there in Maine for a few years, and I wanted to write screenplays, but I didn't know how. So I was just doing the best I could, and I became friends with a... A uh, writer from New York, from the West Coast, a uh, very successful filmmaker, and he advised me to go to film school. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll do that. So I'll move to L.A. and go to film school. So I applied to film schools. I got in. I got into like the premier screenwriting program in the world for a master's degree, and I did really well in that program. I won a bunch of awards. Uh, and, uh, then when I got out, I had, uh, a number of scripts to sell and every agent that I talked with said, you're a good writer. There's no question. If you had sold anything, I could sell everything you have. But right now people are looking for really big stories that are like Armageddon, huge, epic adventure stories like that. And I was writing these little stories about a couple of people (laughs) awakening (laughs) to love's presence. And, And at the time, Driving Miss Daisy, which was a play about two elderly people, was a big hit in the movie theaters. Did a huge business for any movie but especially for a little movie about two elderly people. Um, And I contemplated, what am I to do here? I love screenwriting. What am I to do? And I got a clear message from Spirit, grow your consciousness and then come back. Because the message you'd like to speak to the world needs you, requires you to grow your consciousness. So that felt true to me. I didn't make any decisions except to follow the guidance, you see. So I started to take classes at Agape. I got into the pre-practitioner classes, then into the practitioner training, then into the ministerial training. And then as I was completing my ministerial training, I started reading A Course in Miracles. And then I read Disappearance of the Universe, which just opened everything up for me. It really did. And I always be grateful to Gary Renard for that great book, Disappearance of the Universe. I do recommend it to anyone who's interested in studying A Course in Miracles. And so then... 
once I got into classes at Agape, I started teaching classes, leading retreats, and that changed my life. And would I like to go back to screenwriting? I love screenwriting. I really feel with my life as I felt for many years now, I just am interested in being congruent with the guidance that I'm getting because that's the only way I can be happy. So I do see in my life over the last number of years, that last 15 years or so, uh, that sometimes I have an idea that I think would be great, but maybe it's not the guidance in that moment. There's a different energetic. You learn the energetic. Because I'm an idea person. You can ask anybody on my staff. I've got a million ideas all the time. It's like my my crown chakra is open and they're just pouring in constantly. So I I can't do all the ideas that I have and I can't do everything that everybody asks me to do. It's just not even remotely possible. I do accomplish quite a huge amount and um and still there are so many things that I haven't done. Ideas that have been given to me for a long time and it is so thrilling to bring something to fruition that Spirit gave me years ago. Like this year, we launched our prayer ministry in Masterful Living, and it's just been tremendous. We've got folks in Masterful Living gathering to pray from all over the world every three hours, every day, for m- since lockdown began. Um since early in lockdown, we've got every day, we've got people doing the Kirtan Kriya meditation and uh, and gathering together from the Masterful Living community. So uh, it's extraordinary. And uh, even just Masterful Living itself, um, these past couple of weeks, uh, I've been talking with folks who've been in the program all year And over and over and over again, people are thanking me, essentially, for following my guidance and for doing what Spirit has guided me to do in bringing forth this program. So that, and that is what I see for other people in the Masterful Living community who are doing that as well. It it takes courage and strength to follow the guidance, especially when things in the world will tell you, don't do that, you can't do that, you don't have what it takes. And I've learned to say, God has what it takes. It's not about whether or not I have what it takes. God has what it takes. Spirit has what it takes. The mighty I am presence, the Christ has what it takes. I only have to do my part. The way the Masterful Living program is designed, it's it's epic. It's it's extraordinary. It's amazing the way all the pieces fit together to be so incredibly life-changing for people. I, I did not invent these pieces, and I don't do them all. It takes a team of people, takes a whole community, really, and I didn't invent any of them. Spirit tapped me and said, now do this, now do that. These were not my ideas. I didn't think them up. And being able to have that trust and faith to follow through, because Spirit has given the idea, it's tremendous. So that's my work to do. My work is to be in trust and faith. So, I'm going to go back to this here. Paragraph 2. Let us review again what seems to stand between you and the truth of what you are. For there are steps in its relinquishment. The first is a decision that you make. That's the first. A decision that you make to accept the atonement for yourself. To realize there is no separation. Just the willingness to decide to be willing to accept the atonement. 
the unity of all life. Afterwards, the truth is given you. So you, you get the truth, but a lot of times we don't like the truth. The truth is we are never upset for the reason we think. Well, we, we don't like that idea. The truth is we don't know what anything is for. We can't see be, beyond time and space and all directions to know what things are for. That's not, that's a truth we don't like. No, I, I think I know what this is for, and this is working against me. The truth is, everything works together for good, and there are no exceptions. Well, that's not a truth that people like. <laughs> so the first decision that you make is that you're willing to align with the divine, accept the unity of all life, and then afterwards the truth is given you. But you may not like the truth. You might say, nah, nah, I don't like that. No, nah, I'm not even going to think about that. I'm not even going to entertain that. So this is why he says, you would establish the truth. And by your wish, you set two choices to be made each time you think you must decide on something. So this is, I get this question in counseling a lot that people ask me, I'm trying to figure out, should I do this or should I do that? And I say to him, don't. Do not take that on. Let spirit tell you what to do. But see, it requires trust. That's why trust is the number one characteristic of God's teachers. And that's why we focus the whole year of masterful living on trust. Because once you have the willingness to really trust Life is so much more peaceful. It's so much more harmonious. It's so much more loving. If, if, if you get irritated, frustrated, angry, sad, hurt, trust is not there. I have to tell myself that. Because I get annoyed and frustrated. Irritated. Where's the trust? I'm putting my trust in my own perception, my own opinion. So, by your wish, you set two choices to be made. Go to the left, go to the right. Each time you think you must decide on anything. But neither is true, nor are they different. Yet must we see them both before you can look past them to the one alternative that is a different choice but not in dreams you made, that this might be obscured to you. So we're not going to see our true reality in this world. We've got to be willing to see beyond this world to the true reality. What you would choose between is not a choice and gives the illusion it is free. For it will have one outcome either way. So a lot of times we're choosing between things that really are just two ego choices and not that choice of love. So it's going to give us the same outcome whether we go left or right because we're still operating from the ego. Thus, it is really not a choice at all, he says. The leader and the follower emerge as separate roles, each seeming to possess advantages you would not want to lose. So in their fusion, there appears to be the hope of satisfaction and of peace. So he's talking about, are you going to be the leader? Are you going to let God be the leader? Are you going to follow God, but you're going to be the leader? What is it going to be? No matter what you choose, whether you, you are, if you're waffling back and forth, you're thinking that you can somehow fuse together the life in God and the life in ego. He says, you see yourself divided into both these roles, forever split between the two. And every friend or enemy becomes a means to help you save yourself from this. Aha! So we're interested in walking with Christ and walking in the light of love. This is what we have the opportunity for right now, and we're grateful.
I'd like to take a moment and thank everyone who donates to support this podcast. Uh, Your donations are so helpful to us. If you appreciate this podcast, please consider being a contributing donor and you can set up a monthly contribution uh, to the Power of Love Ministry, it's all tax deductible. You can do that at jenniferhadley.com or livingacourseofmiracles.com. And you can also sign up for the A Course of Miracles texts messages at acimtexts.com. And uh, you can get text messages every day if you wish. And you can sign up for a monthly contribution there as well. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We're walking the talk. We're living the love. And I'll be right for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. Thank you for coming back. <laughs> ah, I'm so grateful. And speaking of gratitude, I also would love to ask you, If you enjoy this podcast, another thing you can do to support it besides making a recurring donation is to write a review wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's iTunes or Stitcher or there's so many podcast apps and things now, please write a review. Also, if you use our free A Course in Miracles app, which is for all kinds of devices, phones, um, iPads. You can also write a review of the app, and that helps us if you like that free Course in Miracles app. It's got the text, the manual for teachers, and the workbook, of course, and you can highlight. You can set alarms to remind you every hour to do your practice or three times a day or five times a day or whatever the practice is of that day. I love that. I have alarms going off on my phone all throughout the day with my Course in Miracles messages. And now uh, I, I I got an iWatch this year and um, I have them on my watch. And I just love that. Love it. So you may enjoy it as well. You can write in whatever you would like to to say, you know, I'm walking the talk, I'm living the love on an hourly basis or half hour, just little sweet reminders. And uh, it, it, you know, these are the things that to me make a difference in my spiritual practice. So if you value any of that, please take advantage of it, make the most of it, share it with friends and uh, pay it forward to a stranger in a sense Uh, There are no strangers, but you know what I mean. Uh, By writing reviews really helps. Okay, let's go back to walking with Christ in the text. It's chapter 31. It's section 2. And we're up to paragraph 4 here, where Jesus says, Perhaps you call it love. This, when we um, are making up our own stories and things like that. Perhaps you call it love. Perhaps you think that it is murder justified at last. And sometimes, right, when we attack someone, uh, we can think of it as justified because we're doing it out of love. I'll give you an example. My personality is kind of like this. Uh, you could say whatever you like about me. You can attack me, and it's pretty much duck uh, off a wa- uh, water off a duck's back. And I, you know, whatever. But 
if somebody attacks someone I love, someone who's important to me, it gets me. It gets to my ego identification that I need to protect and defend my loved ones. And so I've had to really work with that. I really have. Uh, And I used to be super defensive. So if anybody attacked me, oh, my God, I'd go, the best defense is a good offense. So I just was always in offense mode, and uh, I would defend myself at the drop of a hat. And uh, I'm so glad, actually, that when we go into defending ourselves, it's so obvious. It is so obvious I can hear the thoughts forming in my mind. Oh, there I am. I I can feel the defense beginning. And when somebody else is defending themselves, I'm like, okay, they feel attacked. Make a note, Jennifer. They're defending themselves because they feel attacked. It may have nothing to do with me. It may have nothing to do with me. Like, for instance, I could say, oh, that's interesting. You put maple syrup in your coffee. I I love the taste of coffee as it is. I really, wow, maple-flavored coffee. That's interesting. Here in Vermont, lots of people put maple syrup in their coffee. And to me, it's like I, I wouldn't drink that cup of coffee because I don't want maple coffee-flavored drinks. But I don't have a sweet tooth, really. And as much as I love maple flavor, I like my coffee tasting like coffee. So, um, but I could see where somebody would say, well, you know, it's really good for you because maple syrup has so many vitamins and minerals and it's way better for you than honey or sugar, artificial sweeteners. It's like, okay, 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 it's fine. You can do whatever you like. I just... Hadn't seen that before. It's interesting to me. I'm not attacking it. Uh, So um, it's so helpful when we feel that defensiveness rising. We're not walking with Christ. We're walking with our enemy, (laughs) the ego, the frenemy, right? So he says here, you perhaps you think that it is murder justified at last. You hate the one you gave the leader's role when you would have it, and you hate as well his not assuming it at times you want to let the follower in you arise and give away the role of leadership. So we see this everywhere. So let's take a minute and look at this. So this happens with God fundamentally, and and, uh, I believe that's what Jesus is talking here about here. We hate the one we gave the leader's role. When we would like to be the leader. So we're saying God is the leader, but we don't really like that because we want to be the leader sometimes. And there are times when we don't want to be the leader, like when we're falling off a cliff or we're swept up into a riptide or when we're feeling sad and lonely and we'd like to be lifted up out of it, led out of it. Then we'd like to let the follower in ourselves arise and give away the role of leadership like he's saying here. And this is what you made your brother for and learn to think that this, his purpose is. So we do this in our families. We do this in our workplace. There are times when we want the boss to be the leader and be the boss. And then there are times we want to be the boss and have the, lead, the boss be the follower. And we get pissed off when the boss doesn't see it the way we see it and doesn't want to follow us. Same thing happens in a family. I know when I was a child growing up, my parents would tell me what they wanted me to do or command me to do things or tell me what I could do and not do. And I, even as a small child, I, I recall feeling like, what? Where did you, wait, when did you become the boss? You're not the boss of me. No, because you're bigger, because you pay the bills. 
No, I don't think so. We never discussed this part, right? (laughs) So that's where I used to see it a lot. And so we can look at it in our relationships with our brothers and sisters that we go back and forth. Now we want to be the leader. Now we want to be the follower. How about this? Just going to throw this out there as a possibility. What if we're not the leader ever? What if we're always the follower? I have come to see I like that. I like that as a control freak in recovery. I actually like not being the leader. Now, I lead a ministry with a staff of many people. Big organization. I mean, it's a small organization, but it's big in terms of what we try to accomplish, what we do accomplish, and the number of people we serve uh, very, very closely. We're really integrated into their lives. Their lives are integrated into ours. There's a lot going on. But I feel like God is the leader, and we're all followers. We might seem to have team captains, but we really we follow God the leader. And many times when I'm in a meeting with other members of the staff, they'll say, what would you like to do here? And I say, well, what would you like to do here? What do you recommend? And I I love that. I, I love that I don't have to be in charge of everything because other people have fantastic ideas, much better than mine. And there are all kinds of things that I don't actually wish to think about. I just like to know it's handled. So uh, there are so many ways in our life where we can look for, do we feel like we need to be the leader, we want to be the leader, because it's just ego. If we're not the lead dog, the view never changes. Remember that? Uh, It's like if you're not the lead dog and you're in a, say, in a a dog team that's pulling a sled, you're going to always be looking at the butt of the dog Ahead, ahead of you, and that may not be what you'd like to see. But if we're all really inner-focused on love, first of all, you're not always going to be pulling the sled. So yeah, the view changes all the time. You're not always pulling the sled. Sometimes you're playing, sometimes you're resting, sometimes you're exploring. You're not always pulling the sled. So that's the way I feel about it is, if you're always the leader, the view doesn't change that much either. And it's nice to give other people a chance. So I'm just saying, you. I can give you another example here that Spirit is pointing me to from my own life. Um, I was a Girl Scout leader of a cadet troop. So I was a Girl Scout leader for a long time. I was a brownie. And then I was a um, Girl Scout, and then I was a cadet, and then I became a Girl Scout leader of a cadet troop. So um, when I was a Girl Scout leader, I was in my 30s, so I was knowledgeable. But I've never given birth to a child or been a mother, so I'm not a mother, although I've spent a lot of time helping to raise children. And I, which is wonderful. And so when I was the leader of the troop, and I may have told this story in an episode of the podcast before, so if I've repeated myself in the last nearly 500 episodes, which I know I do all the time, forgive me if it bothers you. <laughs> um, but I, as the leader... I would say to the girls in the troop, what would you like to do? And they, in the beginning, they'd say, well, what do you mean? Well, you can do whatever you like. What would you like to do? Do you, do you want to learn about farming? Do you want to go on canoe trips? Do you want to go on ski trips? Would you like to go on kayak trips or whitewater rafting? Or would you like to learn about how to raise uh, goats or make your own soap or what, whatever? What would you like to do? This is your troop. How would you like to invest your 
your time, your energy, your money, because they pay their dues and stuff. And they said, oh, we want to go on a canoe trip. Oh, we want to go on a ski trip. So we organized those things. And and uh, I said to them, okay, so let's see what's involved. And they'd be like, what do you mean? Well, what's involved? What, how does it begin? So today's the first day of the trip. What are we doing? Oh, well, uh, I guess we're packing. Okay, what are you packing? What do you need? And so I, I really put the kept putting the ball back in their core so that they would learn to be leaders. So I led by following them. And when we would do menu planning, I'd say, okay, what do you want to eat? And they'd be like, well, what do you mean? I'd be like, yeah, you're going to be eating food. What do you want to have for breakfast? What do you want to have for lunch? Let's plan our meal so we can plan our shopping so we can find out what our budget is and raise that money to do what we're choosing to do. Oh, well, what do you, well, and always they would start with what are the limitations? There are no limitations. There are no limitations. You mean we could have... French toast and cake for dinner? I said, you can. Yeah, sure. Why not? It's just for a weekend. It's not going to kill you. Is that what you want to do? And somebody would say, no, I don't want that for dinner. All right, what do you want for dinner? Well, can we make pizza? Well, can you make pizza on a camping trip? Of course you can. Do you have what you need? Are we going to have to buy things? Think about that. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. So... Uh, I loved putting them in charge of it. And they they would use their brains and figure it all out, use their innate intelligence and discover and learn. And the, the parents said to me a bunch of times things like, boy, these girls really listen to you. They totally mind you. They don't give you any flack. How, how is that? And I said, well... No, you don't understand. It's not that they mind me. I'm doing what they would like. They're in charge, and I'm doing what they would like. I'm supporting them and doing what they would like. Why would they give me flack for that? So, uh, and it just was never a problem. Never a problem. And I would say, the only thing is that's important to me is I want to teach you how to smoke cigarettes and drink booze and Look for cute guys. Just make sure we... No, I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) So, um, yeah, teach them how to be strong, capable young women through using their intelligence and deciding wisely. And then if they got on the camping trip and they saw something was missing, of course, if I could see, oh, how are they going to make scrambled eggs? They don't have butter on the list. But see, I don't even remember those kinds of things being an issue. They, they knew how to think it through. It was just a question of keep asking them, what else? Is anything missing? What else? Think about when you make scrambled eggs at home. What do you have? What do you do? How does it begin? How do you do it? And then what do you need to wash up at the end? What will be the most helpful? Things like that. So I'm I'm saying this because I get a lot of questions from parents. And a lot of times parents get into arguments with their kids as they're constantly telling them what they have to do and what they need to do versus asking them what they'd like to do. You know, it depends on your parenting style, but nobody likes to be told what to do. At any age, even a three-year-old doesn't like to be told what to do. So we can approach it new ways. And for me, the best way for me to learn the new approach is to go to spirit to learn it. That definitely has worked for me. So what what Jesus is saying to us here, I'm going to read this again. You hate the one you gave the leader's role when you would have it, when you would like to be the leader. And you hate as well his not assuming that leadership role. At times you want to let the follower in you arise and give away the role of leadership, give away the burden of leadership. Instead, you want to be the 
follower. So this is this is a a source of friction in our mind. And just look around your life for it. Look for it in your friendships, where you feel like this one's too bossy or whatever. And because I've learned, oh my gosh, I love to be a follower. I do. Uh, I love to be able to say, somebody says, hey, let's go out to dinner. Great. What time, where would you like me to meet you? Are you going to pick me up? Am I going to meet you somewhere? Well, what restaurant would you like to go to? You decide. Wherever you would like to go is fine. I'll find something there. I'll be fine. Well, I just want to make sure it's a restaurant you like. Okay. Then tell me what you what you would prefer, and I'll tell you if I like it or not. <laughs> it's not that complicated. So, but a lot of people don't, they're afraid if they're not in leadership, they're going to be taken advantage of. It's going to be a place they don't like, things like that. All right. So he says here then, this is what you made your brother for. And you learn to think that this, his purpose is. So this is what we made our brother for, to help us see how we go back and forth and back and forth. Unless he serves it, unless he serves the purpose that we've given him, he's not fulfilled the function that we gave him. And thus he merits death because he has no purpose and no usefulness to us. If if our brothers and sisters cannot discern when we want to be the follower, when we want to be the leader, when we want this, if they can't read our minds and know what we like and need and want all the time, then we get annoyed with them. Ah, you're driving me crazy. <laughs> but you see, this is part of the the thing that we've given them to do, is to somehow be able to be omniscient, like God is omniscient. But we can't be omniscient and hold grudges at the same time. We can't fulfill our purpose to be truly helpful if we're holding on to grudges. It does not work. If we're holding on to resentments, it does not work. If we think that we're bad and wrong, it does not work. The system fails. The system is failing. So then it says here, and what of him? What of our brothers and sisters? What does he want of you? What could he want? But what you want of him. Everybody wants the same thing from us. This discernment, this total acceptance and discernment to be in the flow of love together. Herein is life as easily as death. For what you choose, you choose as well for him. Two calls you make to him as he to you. Between these two is choice. Because from them, there is a different outcome. If he be the leader or the follower, to you it matters not. For you have chosen death. But if he calls for death or calls for life, for hate or for forgiveness and for help, is not the same in outcome? Hear the one, and you are separate from him and are lost. So if you hear only one call, but hear the other and you join with him and in your answer is salvation found. The voice you hear in him is but your own. So do we hear the cry for love or do we hear the cry for separation? Are we crying for love and unification or are we crying out to make them wrong and make them bad? What are we choosing? Love or fear? Love or separation, unity or attack. What does he ask you for? And listen well, for he is asking what will come to you because you see an image of yourself and hear your voice requesting what you want. So basically, our brothers and sisters are asking us for love, for acceptance for support, for nurturing, for respect, for care. This is what we would like as well, to have, give all to all. 
same lesson again and again and again. What does your brother ask you for? The same thing you like to ask of him. Love, acceptance, tolerance, care, support, freedom from suffering. Before you answer, pause to think of this. The answer that I give my brother is what I am asking for, and what I learn of him is what I learn about myself. Then let us wait an instant and be still, forgetting everything we thought we heard, remembering how much we do not know. So when there's confusion, when there's conflict, the conflict is emanating from within, We say we'd like the peace of God, but we are not willing to extend it and share it. That is the issue. And the resolution is within because the conflict is within. So we be still and know that God is, that we are part of God, that we are God. Be still and know that I am is God, and I am that I am. So In that stillness, we can ask Spirit, show me what's really going on, because I'm never upset for the reason I think, and I do not know what anything is for, except everything does work together for my good, and I'm willing to know it and see it. Boom. (laughs) All right, well, there's more to this section, but this is what walking with Christ is, recognizing that the Christ in our brothers and sisters, so that we can see it in ourselves. I'm wishing you a very, very Merry Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. And let us see the Christ in our family members and our brothers and sisters this year. If you'd like to sign up for Masterful Living, let me just say, hey, what are you doing New Year's Eve? New Year's Eve is my New Year Reboot class. It's an epic three-hour class, and we're going to have four, count them, four sessions afterwards. This is an incredible deal. Check it out, and it's a bonus with Masterful Living. All the details at jenniferhadley.com. I love you, and... Let's take this breath of gratitude together and be so grateful for the Christ within. We share the benefits of recognizing the Christ with everyone. In gratitude, we let it be. Amen, amen, amen. God bless.